0: The story of Margaritaville didn't begin with a six-string guitar. It didn't begin in a blender or with the search for a missing salt shaker. It actually began with a Mexican restaurant chain named Chi-Chi's in 1983. Of course, we're not talking about the genre-creating escapist anthem penned by Jimmy Buffett a few years earlier. And we're not talking about that Margaritaville we all have inside our heads that we find ourselves wasting away to from time to time. No, today we're talking about the materialized concept. The physical place you can go, sit, eat, drink, and allow yourself even for a moment or an afternoon to escape into a world of palm trees, beaches, lighthouses, seaplanes, islands, and most of all, music. We're talking about Margaritaville bars and restaurants. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony, and this is Pod Tiki. If you've been following Pod Tiki for any amount of time, you are well aware of my affinity for Jimmy Buffett. Sure, I like him in the cheesy way most folks do. The fun songs and tailgating, t-shirts with your favorite lyrics relating to some part of our own personality. But before Buffett became synonymous with island-themed hotels and frozen drink machines, he was a prolific songwriter. His clever poetic lyrics embodied the culture and soul of the Caribbean and Southeast U.S. in the same way Dylan did for Greenwich Village and the folk scene. Indeed, Jimmy Buffett was and is at heart a folk artist. As an author... A playwright, a pilot, sailor, trotter of earth and genre-defining raconteur, he created a lifestyle, and as a businessman, he created a lifestyle brand. Following in the steps of Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic, Jimmy created the space he saw in his head from years of traveling and gathering stories. He's explored this crazy life from every angle and he wants to show us what he's found. A while ago, a listener, uh, Peter Schmidt on Instagram, hit me up and suggested it may be fun to do episodes on old-school, world-famous tiki bars. Now, Although Margaritaville isn't a tiki bar, per se, I felt it was the perfect place to start this endeavor as I am a Florida boy... Margaritas are my first love and favorite tropical drink, and May is a good month to feature Margaritaville due to its association with Mexico and Cinco de Mayo, as well as May being my birthday month, and I'm a huge fan of that, both Margaritaville and of my birthday. Margaritaville may not be a tiki bar, though some locations do have tiki leanings, but it shares the same world-building authentic inauthenticity of our beloved faux-paradise temples. Buffett may not have been the first escapist artist, but he certainly took it to levels unimagined by his predecessors. Now, we can't very well learn all about Margaritaville without a beverage accompaniment. So before we get started, let's make a drink. In honor of my favorite Margaritaville drink, I'm going to make a nod to the Last Mango in Paris Margarita. It's a drink that's no longer on the menu, having been replaced by a more straightforward mango-flavored mix margarita. The original utilized mango tequila, Contro, house margarita mix, and cranberry juice. My favorite part though? was the little chunks of mango floating through the drink that eventually sunk to the bottom and got sucked into the straw so every once in a while you get a nice little unexpected mango treat right to the back of your throat. Seriously, it was pretty delicious and I have been known to waste away on them at more than a few Margaritaville locations. This recipe is more of a traditional mango margarita, the one I'm about to make, um, using real mango rather than flavored tequila or mix. So here's what I do. Take a large slice of mango, leave the skin on, and then place the skin side down in the bottom of a shaker. Muddle that until the pulp becomes a mushy liquid. And then pour on top one ounce of fresh lime juice, three-quarter ounce triple sec, a quarter ounce agave nectar, and two ounces tequila blanco. Add enough ice to cover the liquid and shake to your little heart's content. I think one chorus of Margaritaville should be long enough. Now pour the contents, mango, and all into a rocks glass and garnish with a lime wheel. Okay, now we're ready to talk about Margaritaville. I consider myself an educated connoisseur of a very few things. But when it comes to Mexican restaurants, I am a bit of a salt-rimmed savant. I love a super gimmicky Mexican joint. One of my favorite pastimes is just chilling at Mexican cantina bars, munching on chips and salsa, and drinking giant mugs of Modelo. Seriously, Germans are known for their large steins, but they got nothing on that 32 ounce of beer you get at a Mexican restaurant in that giant cold mug. I can't even drink a whole one before the last quarter of it is warm. The thing about Mexican restaurants though, ironically, not known for the best margaritas. I'm not talking shit about Mexican bartenders. I've been to Mexico, and I've had some of the best margaritas in my life there. Don't believe me? Well, next time you leave the salubrious confines of your carnival cruise, how about you mosey right on by senior frogs and hop a cab into actual Mexico? I promise you, uh, you will find real Mexican restaurants and bars and shops. It's not like as soon as you step outside the dock, there's a bandolero with a machete waiting to stab you. In fact... Mexican bartenders are quite proud and knowledgeable about their tequilas and margaritas. Problem is, those guys and gals aren't working at your neighborhood chain restaurant. Thus, we get a waiter or a line cook throwing together a pitcher of high fructose hangover fuel. That's precisely why the Mexican chain Chi-Chi's needed a gimmick. Taco Tuesday is a time-tested staple, but they thought they would up the ante on their version by offering margarita specials and dubbing Tuesday nights at Chee Chee's, Margaritaville, capitalizing off the popularity of the recently released Jimmy Buffett hit. As you might imagine, Buffett's lawyers saw dollar signs, um, but it wasn't that simple. chi Chee's had some money, too. And what ensued was a legal battle between restaurant and recording artist based on the claim from chi that recording publishing rights did not transcend legal boundaries into restaurants. Remember, Jimmy Buffett had not yet become the cultural frenum we, asso- we associate with his name today. In fact, this litigation would go on for three years. Meanwhile... Michael Latona was selling t-shirts out of the back of his car in Florida when he approached Jim Mazzota with an idea to create shirt designs based on his favorite Buffett songs. Now, Mazzota was a newspaper illustrator at the time, known for his ability to bring vivid color and life to the otherwise demure pages of black and white news. It took Mazzota a while to come around on the idea, eventually drawing up some of the iconic designs we now associate with the brand a blown-out flip-flop, sailboat, and, of course, giant margaritas. The two managed to procure a meeting with Jimmy in Orlando, who actually fell in love with the idea, giving birth to the first Buffett-inspired clothing line, Caribbean Soul. It was here we get the first glimpse of the community forming around the idea of Margaritaville as a concept. You see, over time... Mazota realized that fans didn't like it when Buffett himself, or any people at all, appeared in the shirt designs. The notion of Margaritaville, the fictional escape destination, was that it could be anyone. That it could be you laying in that hammock under a palm tree. So Mazota came up with what will later become the mascot for the whole brand. Something tropically anthropomorphic without being too distinctive or exclusive. Something relatable that can be cleverly placed in any situation while maintaining a tongue-in-cheek air of levity. How about a parrot holding a margarita glass? The very same that can still be found perched atop the franchise logo today. How does one go about getting their hands on this coveted merch? Well, the first licensed store opened as JB's Margaritaville in 1984 in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Guests could shop for t-shirts while sipping margaritas, loudly whirling in blenders all night under a tiki torch-lit ceiling which was painted like a blue sky with white clouds. Buffett even stopped in and played a few times. It was a valiant effort by the future business mogul, but sadly, after a series of hurricanes in 1985 decimated the area, JB's was never able to rebuild its clientele and resume business. But alas the maestro of Margs didn't waste time shortly after opening a Margaritaville store. I'm sorry, he he didn't waste time shortly after that one uh, failed to reopen. He opened a Margaritaville store in Land's End Village on Captiva Island in Florida. It was run by a couple of Jimmy's friends, Donna K. Smith, whose namesake he borrowed for a character in A Salty Piece of Land, and Cindy Thompson, who, as of 2017, remains on the payroll. Mind you, the lawsuit with chi is still languishing on at this point. Jimmy was back living in Key West at this time, putting the finishing touches on new records and the style that would soon become his brand. His various haunts like Captain Tony's not only influenced his songwriting, but also the brand designs. Song lyrics began adorning the shirts with just enough anonymity to be applied to day-to-day escapists. It was after the release of the album Last Mango in Paris that crowds began in earnest developing the lifestyle that it would become. Ex-Eagles bassist Timothy B. Schmidt, who had joined the Coral Reefer Band for a stint, recalls seeing a sea of concertgoers wearing foam parrot hats and Hawaiian shirts drinking margaritas. He told Buffett, these are like your own deadheads, to which Jimmy frankly replied, no, they're parrotheads, unquote. Had begun. The movement was solidified when in 1986 Jimmy Buffett finally won the lawsuit against Chi Cheese, avowing to quote unquote associate the term Margaritaville with the public persona of Jimmy Buffett. A collective sigh of relief was followed by the sound of thousands of concoction-filled blenders whirling to life in bombinating unison across the tropics. In 1987, the Margaritaville Cafe and Store finally found its home along Duval Street in Key West, Florida, complete with an office around the corner to run the company. This first real Margaritaville was inspired by Jimmy's time in Nashville, a long venue with a bar along one side and a little stage in the back. I had the opportunity to go to this one, and it truly was just a little wooden beach sack with hanging sign above the door and plenty of libations to hold while perusing the locally branded merchandise. Decreed by Jimmy's wishes, it catered to a middle-of-the-road crowd. Not too exclusive, but just lofty enough to dissuade the sloppy drunks from stumbling in off Mallory Square. Now, Kevin Boucher, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, a former New York club owner, was tasked with running the joint, and it was actually his recipe that made up the first cheeseburger in Paradise offered on the menu. It was a blend of beef and brisket. Fans flooded the place, and entirely, or... The entirety of the Keys, for that matter. And the whole Keys became synonymous with the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle. Margaritaville. A place where anyone can escape to Jimmy's world, if even for just a few beers. The fan base grew, those fans indoctrinating their kids into the lifestyle, and the next generation of Parrot Heads continues in that same tradition to this day. It was indeed my father's copy of Songs You Know by Heart that was my first introduction to Buffett. And Jimmy, always with the mantra of giving the fans what they want, began branding everything from more clothing options to Margaritaville frozen concoction makers to glassware home decor, and yep, even little salt shakers. Better buy two in case you lose one. The venue also expanded, opening up a location in Buffett's other home away from home, New Orleans. This location focused on the live music aspect featuring local jazz acts and the such, while back in Key West, a new age of singer-songwriters took the stage, coming in as far as Nashville and beyond, many eventually being signed to Buffett's label. Still, the story does not end here. As Jimmy's fan base grew, so did their wallets. This potential did not go unnoticed by the Seagrams company, who showed interest in opening a Margaritaville franchise in Orlando. You see, they had just recently purchased Universal Studios and MCA Records, meaning they essentially owned Jimmy Buffett's record label and the places where Jimmy Buffett fans go to vacation. Insert match made in heaven analogy here. Buffett toyed with the offer from Universal claiming it needed to be high quality, clever, and fun. At the same time, hotel mogul Steve Wynn showed interest in a Las Vegas location. Buffett called upon Old Florida friend and Wall Street executive John Colin to be partner in Margaritaville Holdings. And so it came to pass that in 1999, the first large-scale Margaritaville was opened in Orlando, Florida at Universal CityWalk. Complete with a large nautical-themed dining area, two bars, one featuring prize fish hanging from the ceiling, the other with a large volcano behind the bar that erupts on the hour and flows green margarita lava, a vast patio dubbed the Porch of Indecision, and of course, a stage. Video monitors play round the clock live Buffett concerts and shots of tailgating fans exhibiting libation fueled antics in only the way true parrot heads can. There's even an outdoor quote unquote tiki bar across the path where folks can escape alongside the water while gazing upon Jimmy's seaplane, the actual hemisphere dancer, which is permanently docked there. I remember when this location opened. I was a year out of high school and already a burgeoning buffet buff. In fact, I I was the only kid I knew <laughs> I was the only kid I knew of that was bumping banana wind out of their Pioneer twelves in the trunk of a drop top sixty six Impala with ten switches. That's right. I was taking corners in three-wheel motion while Jimmy was telling me not to be a cultural infidel or make a Jamaica mistake-a. I recall the vibe of it being cool because it was at universal, and Citywalk broke the stereotypical family only feel of the other local theme parks. It boasted a Hard Rock Live, a Pat O'Brien's, Bob Marley's reggae-themed restaurant, the Red Coconut Club, Latin Corners, Cigars, and now a Margaritaville. In my 20s, I spent lots of days in the parks riding Dueling Dragons and Hulk Coaster, and many, many nights in Cigars and the Red Coconut Club. But that inner Florida in me always felt a pull towards the relaxing, escapist revelry Margaritaville had to offer. In fact, I've spent most of my life making that a reality, so I don't have to escape anymore. Apparently, I wasn't the only one who felt that way, seeing as how Margaritaville Orlando did $18 million in their first year. In author Ryan White's words, quote, Everyone who was around before marks Orlando as the after, unquote. From rickety local t-shirt shop to worldwide brand, huge-themed restaurant franchise, hotel chain, in addition to vast vacation resorts, Landshark Landshark beer, record labels, JWB Steakhouse, airport lounges, live music venues, and a prodigious merchandise line that ranges the gamut from home tiki bars to cigar lighters. The thoughts and experiences of one man have sparked a multi-generational cultural movement. One of my favorite things about Margaritaville's is how they theme each location to the area. Orlando has a fun vacation vibe. In Montego Bay, the rooftop becomes a local dance club at night. Ocho Rios' open-air lounge and swim-up bar backs up to a small private beach cove. Destin boasts a two-story lighthouse theme overlooking the marina while the tide rigging sings. In Nashville, there's an upstairs cowboy in the jungle bar while Vegas offers a Margaritaville Casino all of which provoke a particular mood of thought by the lyrics scribbled on the wall. Like the hotel here in Nashville, which reminds you as soon as you pull in the parking loop to live happily ever after, every now and then. Of course, we can't round out a discussion of Margaritaville without comparing how many we've been to, right? So I want to hear all about your experiences. Um, Hit me up on Pa Tiki's social media and tell me all the ones you've been to, and your experiences there. I'll start, all right? I've been to Orlando, Destin, Hollywood, Florida, Key West, Florida, Las Vegas, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Ocho Rios, Montego Bay, Nashville, Cozumel, and two locations in the Fort Lauderdale Airport and one location in the Montego Bay Airport. I would love to hear all about where y'all have been and where'd you like to visit? On my list of places I still want to get to is the Cayman Islands location. Now, I've been to the Bahamas, but that was before the resort was there, so I want to get back and go to the Bahaman one too. I acknowledge that, like theme parks, music, and sushi, Jimmy Buffett can be quite divisive. But I contend that no one can attest that a little Buffett in the background doesn't add to the situation. Because much like our beloved Tiki temples, Margaritaville is both real and imagined. It may be escapism, but it's not fake. A visit to Margaritaville may be an afternoon, evening, or weekend for you. But for Jimmy, it's his life. This has been Tiki. My name is Tony. Sources for this episode can be found under the blog post at PodTiki.com. But I can go ahead and tell you right now that all of this information came from one incredible book, by Ryan White, called Jimmy Buffett, a good life all the way. The rest of the research for this episode has come from my own life experiences. So I hope you enjoyed this first foray into uh, tropical temples. Some tiki, some not tiki. Make sure you check out Pod Tiki all across your your uh, podcast catchers. That's Spotify, iHeart, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, Of course, you can always find all of our episodes at PodTiki.com under the Archive tab. There's also a recipe index in there for any of the recipes we've talked about. Please hit us up on social media. Instagram, that's Pod underscore Tiki. Tell me all about your experiences at Margaritaville's. Um, On my personal page, if you want some more of just like rum and cigar stuff, that's Rum underscore Poet. Of course, you can find us on Facebook at Pawtiki as well. And please, please, please go to the YouTube channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I need to get some more. We need to get some more people on there so that I can start doing live videos. So, uh, the stuff that I've been putting out there now is. I'm not going to call it filler content, but it's not the content I want to put out because I really want to do live stuff. So, but I need. I need some more followers on there before they let me go live. So subscribe to the YouTube channel for Pa Tiki. And then I guess I'll see you guys next next time where I think we're going to go back into cocktails and we're going to start the summer off with something that's not exactly tiki, but it's a great summertime cocktail. It hinges a little bit more on something traditional. So thank you so much for listening. Keep it tiki. And I'll see you guys next time.